Welcome, and thank you for joining us for the Bread of Life. We are convinced that the Bible is God's holy word, perfect and without error. Its perfection delivers what is good and beneficial for those who hear it and heed it. It is perfect, for it leads us to the perfect one, the Lord Jesus. He is the Bread of Life. Let us seek Him together through God's word. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. We've been considering a life of personal holiness and what that means. It is important to have it, and to know if you do, it's important to know what it is. What is a holy life? Pay close attention. God's Word says that without holiness, you shall not see the Lord. Listen in. This is of utmost importance. Just one verse that we'll lay before ourselves. We've been looking at a number of different verses, and we'll consider a number of different passages this morning as well. We are in the midst of a topical study on holiness, beginning with the holiness of God and then turning ourselves to consider the life of personal holiness that God has called us to. And we've made that turn to some extent and we had a significant focus on that idea, that concept of personal holiness within the follower of Jesus Christ. And we'll continue to consider that again this morning. Let me read to you Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, a brief prayer, and then we'll take up our consideration. It simply reads, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Lord, we're before you. Our understanding and instruction is dependent upon your Holy Spirit to make known to us your way and your will. We pray that you would do that for us in this hour. We ask, dear God, that your Spirit would allow us to focus in on what you want to say to us and not miss your voice to us. Your Spirit came before we ever knew your Son, and he came to reveal to us our sin. He came to show us that in ourselves there is no righteousness. He came in order to undergird before us a sense and awareness that God is the judge, and we pray, dear God, that you would accomplish that for us still now. The Spirit who made these things known to us in bringing us to Jesus would bring us back to the Lord Jesus again in this hour, convicting us of these things, showing us His faithfulness, revealing to us that where we begin in our walk of faith, we are to continue. And so, God, we're before you. And we ask that in spite of the weakness of flesh to communicate your great truths, you would come through and make yourself and your purpose and your will known to us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Here are a couple thoughts that we had last week. Basically, we took the time for a moment to explain and expound on what holiness was with reference to the follower of Jesus Christ. What we've said all along in our study is that God is alone holy. There's no one holy but God. And anything that God declares or describes as holy is holy only because God has conferred upon that item or that thing or that place or that person His own holiness. And that holiness does never never come separate from God's presence. It's as if God comes to that person or God comes to that thing or God comes to that place And as God comes near to it, God extends to that thing or that individual his own holiness because, again, the Bible says God alone is holy. We've talked about the fact that the holiness of God is 
expressed most clearly throughout Scripture as fire. The Bible says that God is a consuming fire. We've said that the only thing that can be in fire and live and abide is fire itself. And so what God confers upon us, what God gives to us, is the fire of His own holy life. As we believe in Him and as we trust in Him. And now we want to talk about and understand what it means to live out holiness in our own lives. This is what we said. It is when the purity of the holy and sinless God is magnified through our moral natures that we live out holiness. Personal holiness is a life enjoying and reflecting God's moral majesty. Christian holiness is a life lived in the flame of God's pure being and by that flame expressing God's moral greatness to everyone around us. That's what holiness is. Holiness then is living in agreement with God. It's living in communion with God. Holiness is living your life with a mind and a heart that is one with the mind and heart of God. It's loving what God loves. It's hating what God hates. It's enjoying and celebrating and relenting to the will of a holy God. That's holiness. And what we said last week is the pathway into this life of holiness is obedience. The way that you open up the channel for God to come and express His holy life to you is through the faith that obeys. Obedience, we said, is not holiness, but there is no holiness without obedience. You can obey and not be holy. You might remember that the rich young ruler came to the Lord Jesus and asked him, what he might do to receive eternal life. And the Lord Jesus said, well, you know the laws to honor your father and mother, to not defraud anyone, to not steal, to not lie, to not commit murder. And the young man said, I've done all these things since a youth. Apparently he was a very circumspect young man who tried his best to follow the moral law as carefully as possible. But he was lacking something. He was lacking a complete and utter and full surrender of all that he was to follow the Lord Jesus. His love was there to some extent, and he felt it because when he saw the Lord Jesus, he fell at his feet, it said. He laid at the feet of the Lord Jesus in an act of reverence and abandonment to him. And I'm sure he felt at that moment that his heart was completely given to him. But it was not completely given to him. There wasn't a complete surrender. There wasn't total obedience. There was a line that was drawn between what he felt and what he would do. Ultimately, Jesus said, go sell all you have and come follow me. And he went away sad because he was very rich and he found that he loved his riches more than he loved the Savior. And he longed for to enjoy the enjoyment of those things more than to enjoy living in the will of the Lord Jesus Christ and of God the Father. And so he went away sad. Obedience is not the same thing as holiness. The rich young ruler was to some extent obedient, but he had not realized that holiness that comes from living and abiding in the presence of God. Having said that, you will not be holy and not obey. In holiness, your obedience, though, will not be a performance in order to achieve holiness. You can't obey and follow some law and then say, there, I'm a holy person. <laughs> I'm better than this individual and I've achieved more than that individual and you will not be able to put yourself on a perch in which you can feel good about yourself in reference to others because 
Obedience is not the act of trying to establish your own and achieve your own holiness. No. Obedience to God's will is an act of faith in which you yield yourself to God's own life. You yield yourself to His calling you into a higher way of living. You stir yourself up to walk with Jesus and you let the Lord Jesus in your obedience walk within you His own holy and perfect will. Your obedience is an act of you reaching out in loving faith to take to yourself the holy will and the holy life and the holy power of God. You take it yourself by giving your will into Him and by giving your powers up to Him in obedience and then holiness comes to you. When you live in this way, you're not just living an ethical life. You're living a a shining life, a life that radiates out from it the burst of God's own life from the temple of your body, surrendered, completely surrendered in full obedience to Him. Obedience without holiness is an advertisement of austerity and discipline and moral achievement of your own human efforts and accomplishments. People see the obedient person who's just doing it because they're trying to be morally good and they think, what a disciplined person that person is. What a good person that individual is. What an upstanding citizen they are. But in holiness, when you yield yourself humbly before the Lord Jesus in obedience to Him because you want to partake of His life and His presence, and her's person, what is set forward before the world is not your excellence, but his. And the world begins to discern it over time. And what they begin to think instead is, what a holy God they know. What a great Savior must be theirs. What a life-transforming spirit is upon them. The passage that we've just read says, without holiness, no one shall see the Lord. I think you should consider holiness a very important subject. Without holiness, no one shall see the Lord. Let me tell you for a moment what that doesn't mean. It does not mean that in order to get to heaven, you must do works of moral obedience. We are saved by the work of Christ alone on our behalf. There is not one morally good thing that you shall do or have done that will ever be weighed in the balance and cast you in the direction of salvation. From beginning to end and for all eternity, Christ Jesus, His death on behalf of your sins and in your place, and His righteousness given to you fully by faith alone will be the basis upon which you are saved and which you stand before God. You have nothing to offer God to gain your salvation or to pay the debt for your sins that were against Him. Jesus paid it all. All to Him we owe. Sin had left the crimson stain. He washed us white as snow. It's all on the Lord Jesus Christ. So this passage, without holiness, no one shall see the Lord, is not teaching that in any way, by your good works and your obedience and your effort, you shall earn one iota of claim upon God's heaven. But what it does mean is this. What it does mean when it says, without holiness you shall not see the Lord, it means that you will not find a person coming through the gates of heaven without the accompaniment of holiness on their lives. Holiness doesn't save you, but those who are saved are never without it. We are saved by faith alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone, without works. However, 
The faith that saves us never comes alone. That faith that saves us always produces good works in our lives. And Christ never comes to us alone. He brings with him as he comes into our life all of his power and his holy presence to do an inner work of transformation within us that produces within us holiness. And God's grace never comes to us alone. It's a grace that brings into us not one gift of salvation, but many gifts from our salvation. And central to all those gifts is the gift of the holiness of God, producing in us holy desires and holy delights and holy deeds. The true believer will have this fundamental characteristic of holiness. They will love God's will. They will love God. They will hate their own sin. So let me ask you a question. And we'll ask it again at the end of the message. Do you have such holiness? This pointed question cannot be left unanswered or pushed away. God's Word calls upon us to test ourselves to see if we're in the faith, to see if Christ is actually living within us. And that test, above all else, is a test for the evidence of holiness. May the Spirit guide you in your answer before Him, and may that answer be an expression of faith in Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us today at The Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry in the community of Boise, Idaho, or our outreach work around the world, just go to breadoflifeboise.org. There you'll find links to the radio archives, including this message, and also links to full-length sermons. Until the next time, may God bless you.